Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have a great friend with me. I'm so excited. Miss Elizabeth Charles, who is the CMO of Rodan and Fields. Elizabeth, I've known you for a while now. I'm so excited you're finally on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Nadine. It's great to be here. I remember I met you. You were the CMO at Petco. And then you became the CMO of Athleta. And then you became the GM at Old Navy Outlets. And now you're the CMO of Rodan and Fields. I mean, wow, like amazing brands. And now you are the CMO of the number one skincare in North America that no one knows about. That's right. Hard to believe. We only have 32% aided brand awareness. So we're, I like to think of us as the number one brand that nobody has heard of. But it's actually one of the things that intrigued me about joining the company. You know, our products are primarily sold through independent consultants. And I was really intrigued with the business model and the fact that our consultants now are really almost like today's influencers. We're 300,000 strong, and there are brand ambassadors who talk about the product to consumers as well as the business opportunity. So when I saw that there was this opportunity to grow and expand our reach beyond where we were today, and as a brand marketer, trying to figure out, well, hey, what's that unique story that we can tell about our brand to bring it to life? How do we leverage digital and social media to really tell our story? How do I expand our reach in today's world? Wow. Okay. So there's a lot in there. I mean, obviously, super unique model. If I just think about Petco, for instance, all employees in retail stores and, of course, at headquarters, to now consultants everywhere who are reaching out to consumers on behalf of Rodan and Fields, but they really care about this company. They, they represent it. It's, it's like their products that they're selling to their friends, their family, and you're helping them, 300,000 of them strong, as you said. How hard was that shift for you, or was that just pure fun? 
It's fun. We have a really unique story. The brand originally was part of Estee Lauder and sold in department stores. And our founders, two Stanford-trained dermatologists, so, you know, credibility was important to me in joining the brand. But I saw these two successful entrepreneurs who had founded the company and started to see that actually the word of mouth that started to grow awareness about the brand was through people telling each other about the incredible results that they had seen with the products. And they realized that people who were behind the counter really weren't adding a lot of value to the proposition. And at the time, you know, this is now 10 years ago, retail in brick and mortar was starting to decline. So they actually took a huge risk and decided to buy the brand back from Estee Lauder and create this whole direct-to-consumer model. It's funny now, you think about so many brands that are going direct to consumer. But I would say in the day, this was a pretty new way to go to market. And leveraging what was happening in digital and technology and marrying that with social commerce. You know, again, if I think 10, 11 years ago, not many people were selling products through social media. And we created what at the time was a very disruptive model where our consultants were actually using social media to tell our great brand story and the business opportunity story. And it really just took off from there. So think about today, like everyone takes a selfie, but this now over 10 years ago, they were encouraging people to take a selfie essentially before and after and post it and share with friends the incredible results they were having. So it's interesting how they went from sort of a traditional to then a disruptive model and then said, you know what, we are going to put our trust in this consultant community, like you said, to tell Mm -hmm. our story. And having that personal connection and relationship. I think a lot about e-commerce. Some brands are very transactional. They're very efficient at what they do, but there's no person at the other end of that. You know, you can't even try and find a phone number to call anybody to help you sometimes, right? You get on the endless auto loop (laughs) on their phone systems. And I love the fact that in today's age, which is so technology driven, that there's still this personal touch that you can have with a consultant. And they really kind of become almost your best friends, your confidants that are Mm -hmm. helping you with your skincare needs. Wow. Okay. That is so cool. And it's funny because I remember when you were at Petco going back to that far ago, we did a a case study on you and we were talking about the impact of social media. And I learned the word oxytocin for the first time (laughs) in that discussion with you and Kat. And this is going back seven, eight years ago now, right? And we're talking about how do you measure the value of social media? And we were saying at the time, oh, it's really about reduction in costs because you're actually really helping with retention because you're giving them something meaningful to anchor to. It's about a love hormone. It's about them telling your story. But there wasn't this thing, like you said, of, quote, social commerce. And, And everything that you just described is... It is what everyone's talking about today, social commerce. And we we were just talking before we started recording how your consultants really take to social media and... Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's a great storytelling mechanism. You know, if you even think back to Petco, which pets are a very emotional thing. (laughs) People have the whole human-animal bond, and people love looking at pictures. We all know the cat videos that are out there. (laughs) Um, So it is kind of like this eye candy. Well, similarly with Rodan and Fields, and we have thousands of unretouched, you know, photos of before and afters and how the product has visibly changed people's lives. It's another very demonstrative, emotional, 
engaging thing that people start seeing that they can't get enough of. And then when the consultants start to tell their stories about why they got into the business and how it's changed their lives, I mean, I'm inspired every day because I will hear about whether it's just being able to pay the mortgage, maybe a spouse has become ill, lost their job. I mean, you name it, there's a thousand and one reasons why they might come to the business, but then how it's changed their life, not even so much financially, but as a woman, have them talk about how much confidence they've gained building their own business, getting to a point where they're mentoring other people and building teams. I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to see how people come into their own and sort of unlock their their potential. So I think our consultants have realized the power of emotional storytelling through social And then, oh, by the way, it's a great way to introduce the products or business to somebody (laughs) in a really engaging way that I don't think any other mechanism would really allow you to do. Yeah. It's amazing. As I think about your career path and the fact that you just mentioned that a lot of your sales force being successful in representing these products also helps to grow their confidence and also helps them become CEOs of their own communities. And you guys can help enable them to be mm-hmm. those CEOs of their communities, which is so cool, but totally connected in a human way. Going back to your path, it's almost fascinating to even think about it. Maybe you've even made these connections, or maybe you haven't, or maybe it's just my strange, weird mind. But your Petco, where it's all about oxytocin and love, and then you went to Athleta, which is all about women and confidence, and and then you became a GM. And so it's like your past serendipitously puts you in this spot. It's kind of odd, don't you think? Yeah, no, it's been a great career path of just constantly growing. I've always been one of those people who has a learner's mindset. I'm always looking at what else can I learn? What new challenges can I undertake? And I think to your point, with each opportunity I've had, I've always learned something new. And I think coming here, that complexity, you're asking about, gosh, what's it like working with people who they are independent. They are not employees of the company. I can't just tell them, go sell X and hit this number. (laughs) They have to be self-motivated and they have to have a belief in you and the company. So as a corporate employee, I am trying to help build their belief and give them the support that they need to be successful. So in some ways, I'm even in a more intimate relationship and feel even more accountable for their success because it is their business, it is their livelihood. And I think it's different when you're maybe just selling product to an end consumer. You don't have that equation in the middle Mm. of working through and with consultants. And so I think now um, having, you know, come from a GM role where you think very enterprise wide, every little thing you're doing, how's it going to impact the company and help? So even now, though I'm back in a CMO role, every decision I make in terms of marketing, I'm not just thinking about how is the consumer going to be receptive to that, but I'm really thinking also the consultant. How is it going to help them build their business or reach a new customer? Okay, so I want to come back and ask more questions around that too because we're not done yet. But I just have to ask, since you brought it up and, and I was talking about it a little bit earlier, a lot of people are thinking about making a, a move if they're a CMO to a CEO or GM role. Mm -hmm. You actually did that, and then you came back to a CMO role. Can you just take a moment and share what you were thinking about when you made those decisions and and what you've taken away from those experiences? I believe in challenging yourself, and it was interesting because when I was having the conversation with the CEO of Athleta, and she was like, you're an Uber marketer. Why would you leave this? This is like what you do. It's in your DNA. And I said, yes, but I knew that no matter what I was going to learn as a GM, 
I could take that with me. It was not going to hurt me in any way. It could only help me and expand how I thought about business. So I thought, wherever it leads to, I think I'm going to be net positive in life's experiences and career growth by undertaking this. So for me, and I think many marketers, especially people who come up through maybe CPG and brand management, you always aspire someday to run a business. And I wanted to go to where I could really look at the entire business and strategy and think about all aspects. So what levers were going to move the business? So whether it was, do we have the right inventory in place, the right price promotion strategy, the right visuals, how's our labor position? You know, to me, it was exciting and fun because I thought I get to look at how everything works together, but then also prioritize our resources and where we're going to invest our time. But more importantly, it put a lot of onus on me to really set a vision of where we were going as a business and what ideas or strategies we had to get there and then to get an entire organization to believe in you and follow you, that you have a plan, (laughs) it's a good plan, and we are going to implement it. And I think having that responsibility is awesome, but it's just so much fun to figure out how to grow the business. And I was able to successfully grow that business faster than the base business was doing just because I really pinpointed where all the opportunities were because nobody, this was another thing, you know, I'm not silly. I go where there's low expectations (laughs) and I can uh, exceed. And so nobody had really been paying a lot of attention to the outlet business. It kind of ran itself. And then when they saw that, boy, if we actually have someone spending time on it, imagine what's possible. And so I was able to unlock a lot of new revenue opportunities because it wasn't exactly low-hanging fruit, but there were places where I could actually build the business that nobody had been thinking about. Wow. Okay. So cool. And now you came back into a CMO role. And what's interesting is you're working for... Your CEO, obviously, is a CEO, but some people might not know this. It is the former CMO of Safeway, Diane Dietz, who is not related to me, by the way. <laughs> just so happens we have the same last name. At least I don't think we're related. Who knows? So now you were a GM. You're now a CMO reporting into a CEO who was a CMO. Like, how does that work? That's so crazy. Well, I'm sure others sometimes are put in that same position where you wonder, do I want to work for a former CMO? And I actually point blank asked her before I took the job, okay, are you going to be trying to do my job if I get here? And she assured me that that was absolutely not the case. She had many other fires to put out. And I have to say she was very much true to her word where she really has let me run the marketing function drive the strategies. And I'm very autonomous. I know what are the things that I need to engage her with and that I actually want her opinion on. I mean, she has a brilliant mind in that sense from a marketing perspective, but I have really been able to kind of do my job. And so that's been great. And I will say coming now from a GM role or even sitting on a board, you appreciate what you do impacts everybody else, Mm -hmm. whether it's how resources are being allocated, how things are being prioritized. And so I'm much more, I would say, sensitive to understanding what I'm asking for and more of a give and get with my cross-functional peers who run other departments Mm -hmm. to get more alignment on, okay, maybe this sales initiative or HR initiative 
should take priority over something I'm asking for for marketing. But I'd say in the old days, I was like, <laughs> full charge ahead, you yeah. deliver on what marketing needs to do. And I have found that that's not always the best road to take. <laughs> Bring your colleagues along with you, develop integrated enterprise plans, of which marketing can still have a really impactful, valuable role, but be sort of a part of the team versus I think, you know, as marketers, we tend to be very results-driven and we're off to the races. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not even sure if that you remember telling me this, but I remember you telling me this because I thought, wow, that's super smart. I'm going to share it because I think it's a really valuable tip. So when you were preparing for your interview with Diane, I asked you then, what's it going to be like to work for another CMO? You're like, I don't know, but I'm going to prepare my strategic vision for what I think this could be and gauge her appetite on how willing she'd be to support me or whether or not she was really going to get her fingers in the pie, right? And 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 see how much appetite she has for me to really grow this brand. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, well, that's super smart. And so I share that, not because you wanted to share that, because it's really smart to like just be honest and open and going into an interview process to really understand who you're working for, what the personalities are, and how to really divide and conquer if you're both really talented in the same field. Well, I think as marketers, every company, as you know, views the role of marketing differently. And I think it's very difficult for us as CMOs to gauge or really know what's the value and role of marketing in this organization. So Mm -hmm. I call them trial balloons. Every time I interview (laughs) with a CEO, I will throw out some provocative ideas, as well as things that I truly believe that need to be done, but they're things that are going to kind of like break eggs, right? (laughs) And I do want to see their reaction because if they're not going to empower me or they don't even understand the role of what my area brings or my expertise, then I know I don't want to work there. I think sometimes as marketers, when we're interviewing, we're not asking those hard questions to really figure out, am I going to be able to make an impact here? Am I going to be valued? Do I have a seat at the table? And are they willing to make the kinds of changes I think that need to be made? And honestly, I'd rather just have that conversation in that first round, because if there's not a meeting of the minds, let's not waste each other's time. I don't take it personally. I just realize this isn't the right fit and I'm not what they're looking for. Yeah. And that's okay. Such great advice. So we're going to come back to some of your other tips for success, because I know you've got a lot of them. And going back to where we started, you have 300,000 consultants, and you're in three markets, and you've been focused on direct-to-consumer but you're about ready to launch some new things and you have some new news. Tell me about it. Yeah, that's super exciting. So one of the missions I would say of our company has always been to give all people the best skin of their lives. And the reason of that is because at a young age, our two founders, they had acne and they saw the devastating impact that acne has on your confidence, especially as a young person. So they realized we want to bring great skincare to everybody. I think there's only like 10,000 dermatologists in the US. So most people do not have access to dermatology level skincare. And so when you think about, okay, if we want to give people great skin because we know it gives them great confidence, you've got this higher purpose that you're trying to do. And we started with a core set of regimen products, you know, sort of three easy steps, your basic skincare needs. Mm-hmm. But we realized that there were parts of the marketplace that we weren't servicing. So we just launched a teen acne product earlier this year, which has been fantastic. We had nothing for teens before then. And you can imagine for them, 
that having acne can be literally crippling to many of these kids. They don't even want to be with other people. They don't want to go outdoors, et cetera. So that can be a game changer for them personally. In the next week or so, we're actually going to be launching a skincare regimen for, they don't like to be called millennials, but let's just say (laughs) 20-something-year-olds. Because again, we kind of started with the four most basic concerns that people had originally when the company started. Acne, sensitive skin, dull or dark spots that you had on your skin, and then finally anti-aging, which I, I fall into that camp. You don't, you don't want fine lines and wrinkles. But there are a lot of people in their 20s and early 30s who they might say, well, I don't really have a particular skin concern, or maybe they're not even thinking about lines and wrinkles yet at this mm-hmm. point, but they have these incredibly busy, crazy lifestyles, right? They're burning the candle at both ends, and they start to see their skins getting dull and blotchy and tired looking like they've lost their glow. Mm-hmm. And they know they need something, but they don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. so we have specifically come up with a new regimen. It's called Recharge. That is going to be for the 20-something-year-old. And it really helps with environmental stressors, as well as just your eating. You know, they don't have the best nutrition at that age, and really helps to boost balance and defend your skin. So we're very excited about that. And another area that we saw was that we had a huge opportunity to expand our reach with multicultural women and men. We saw that we were under-indexed in both consultants and consumers with the African-American community, the Asian community, and the Hispanic community. And we thought, we're not living up to our mission of bringing great skincare to everybody. So how can we start to develop even the right marketing assets? You know, we're going to be launching a Spanish enrollment kit so we can bring the business building opportunity to the Hispanic market. And these are things that our consultants have been asking for. They know there's an opportunity to expand our reach this way, and I'm excited about finally giving them the tools they need to do that. And then lastly, we're actually going to be launching in Japan, which is huge for us. Japan is the third largest skincare market in the world, and I believe the fifth largest direct-to-consumer multi-level marketing market out there. So this is an area that we're very excited to be launching in to expand beyond where we are today in Canada, Australia, and the U.S. Wow. Okay. I want to come back to your commitment to the nonprofit board, the Alliance for Girls. And you were talking about the fact that you are also on a public board. And so there's there's a couple things in there. As you were describing your responsibilities as a GM and what you learned, can you contrast that to what it's like to be a board member? And then I do want to talk about the Alliance for Girls as well, because I know that's been a passion point for you. So all yours. Well, you know, one of the things they tell you when you're interviewing for a board is you are not running the company. So I would say that's the (laughs) number one difference is that you have to actually get out of the GM or CEO mindset. You are there to advise and really to help ask questions to bring out the best thinking of the team and or bring maybe some past experiences or best practice advice that you have for them. So, and it's funny because I'm actually paired up with the CMO of the uh, person that runs marketing for the company whose board I'm on. And so it's, I need to be very clear. I'm not here to do your job, but how can I help you? And so we have a great relationship and I know she has felt like I've been able to help her and even sometimes just even prepare for the board. Like these are the kinds of questions you're going to get. How are you going to build your business case to get the funding that you want? in marketing, et cetera. So I would say in a board, it's a very different experience than being a GM. Alliance for 
girls is very different. You know, I think, again, a lot of marketers are always wondering CMOs, how do I get on a board? But I think beyond being on a public board, I really wanted to find a way to give back. And I think many of us volunteer in many different capacities, but I always felt it was sort of a one-off, like I'm putting a, a dime in the piggy bank. And I thought, what am I really passionate about? And I've always been passionate about empowering girls and women to really realize their full potential. And I thought, how can I do that in a meaningful, scaled way that will have an impact that's both broader but also lasting? And so I was lucky enough to be asked to be on the board of Alliance for Girls. It's the largest regional nonprofit that brings together over 200 different members and organizations servicing the entire Bay Area. It's six counties, 300,000 girls. And it's all about helping connect the members to provide services to the young women who want to participate, but it's really helping girls thrive. And we know in the Me Too environment right now, it's so important to help them make their way in the world. And they've done some incredible research in some of the local schools to show the barriers, especially young girls of color are experiencing in terms of discrimination, bullying, just that, you know, even gender bias, but also cultural bias. And so it's really opened my eyes around how much work still needs to be done at a local level and at a young age to help young women thrive and realize their potential. Wow. We're going to have to go out for lunch and keep talking about okay. this. Okay. So <laughs> serious okay. stuff. I know. Seri- <laughs> you, you know, you, you know where my passions are. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are getting dangerously close to being out of time. And like I said, I want to grab some more tips from you. So what professional advice would you offer marketers today? Well, I think a lot of marketers are wondering, especially in companies that maybe marketing is not as well understood, is how do they build the business case to get the investment, the resources behind the strategies that they have to grow the company. So I think being able to figure out how to speak the CEO's language, the CFO's language, that if you give me the X, I can deliver Y for you. Paint a picture for them as to your vision on how you can add value to the company in a way that's based on fact of what you're seeing in the marketplace. And so I think that's one thing is I've been able over the years to really <laughs> be able to make an impact because of understanding what's in it for them and how can I paint that picture. I was just with one of my mentors uh, the other day and One of the best things she taught me was embrace conflict, lean in, have the courageous conversations. Sometimes I'm told that I'm the person who will put the elephant on the table in meetings, (laughs) or someone said to me, I, I love this, I think they said you're a something like a positive agitator or something, but like that you're not afraid to ask the hard questions, but the ones that need to be asked and get to the heart of things. And I think especially embracing conflict, whether it's with an employee or a colleague, let's talk about stuff. Let's not bury things. But in order for us to move ahead, let's have the tough conversations. And I think that's been great advice because most people, as you know, just really do avoid conflict. And I don't think companies are able to grow as well, if people are bearing everything. You know, we were talking the other day, I had all of my department together And I said, if any of you are experiencing anything that's less than satisfying at work, don't suffer in silence. I want you to come talk to me and share what's going on in your mind, whether it's I'm not getting the career pathing I want or the opportunities or 
I don't know, just investment in me as a person. Already in the last week, three people have come to me with feedback on situations that they're in. And I don't think that would have happened without that invitation Mm -hmm. to be open and transparent and just embrace the conflict that I was talking about. It's tough. You know, and it's amazing because I've known you for quite a while now and I am remembering all the times where I'd be sitting across from you and you would ask me a really tough question, but you'd be smiling while you would ask me this question. And I would be smile, nodding, thinking you're saying something really nice. And I'm like, oh, wow, you just asked me a tough question. I was being <laughs> nice. What do you mean? <laughs> Maybe you should teach a class, you know, put it on YouTube or something. How to ask the tough questions with a smile on your face because you're really talented at that. Now I know to make a mental note. Now realize what just happened. Um, so... <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to practice my Elizabeth. All right, well, that is so great to hear. And then I know for you, we've talked about this before, something that you find really, really important is networking. And you want to share a couple of thoughts on networking, and then I will unfortunately have to ask you my last question, which I hate doing. Okay, okay. Well, again, I think in our profession, being in marketing, you're always trying to be, I think, sort of on the cutting edge of what's happening in the marketplace. It's ever-changing, and there are so many amazing marketers out there that I have found it's well worth the investment to find time to get involved in different organizations. It could be conferences, seminars, dinners, um, but to just take advantage of those opportunities to meet other people. Sometimes I'll meet people and they'll tell me that maybe they're looking to change jobs, but they have been at a company for 10 or 15 years and they don't even know anybody (laughs) outside of their town or their company. And I think being able to be networked with others who can, it might be to help you with a professional career move, but it might also just be like, hey, do you know a great brand agency? Someone just literally from my years ago in San Diego on LinkedIn said, I'm looking for a great digital social agency. Do you have any advice? And so I think the CMO community is great about sharing, but you have to put yourself out there to be able to be doing the sharing and then getting some of that back. I think you and I met through a networking probably type of activity way back when, but it's just where people were brought together, like-minded people Mm -hmm. who wanted to share something maybe about work or their personal lives and connected, and that stays with you. Here we are almost 10 years later, right, (laughs) having a great conversation. So I would just encourage people to put themselves out there, even if it's once a month, think about it as investing in yourself. And I think it will pay back dividends over the long term. Yeah, great advice. Okay, shoot, last question. Oh no, this is a fun one though. Okay, good. All, this has always been fun. Every everything I talk about with you is fun. No matter if you're smiling at me, delivering bad news, or asking me tough questions, it's always fun. Okay, okay. If you were not doing what you were doing today, and money and talent were no object, and it can't be what you're doing today, okay, what would you be doing? Well, you know what? I grew up, I always wanted to be a teacher and, or even really a professor. My dad was a professor at a university. And when I was young, I used to play school. I was that kid that would make (laughs) you do like fake math tests and things. (laughs) Oh my God, we are so related. Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) But I think it's because I love to learn and therefore I think I love to teach. Like I... It's funny now because I'm oftentimes asked to be a mentor to a lot of young professionals because I like paying it forward. I like helping other people and maybe even get the advice or things that I didn't have when I was young. And so there's something about 
teaching that to me, that whole learner's mindset. It's so stimulating, and I love seeing people grow. But it is probably one of the most undervalued professions, I think, that's out there. I mean, people are teaching our children the future, and I think it's such an incredible role that I also think, you know, when you think about purpose-driven jobs, to me, it's probably right at the top there of a way that you can impact society in a positive way. That was always very inspiring to me, and you have a lasting impression, right? We can all think of teachers who, I remember they encouraged me to do X or Y, Mm -hmm. and to be able to contribute that way to someone's life, I think, would be pretty cool. Yeah. Amazing. I just recorded probably three podcasts, and in each one, it's a very similar theme. I think Mm -hmm. there's a connection between marketing and teaching, and uh, I will tell you it's the most consistent answer I get. People want to be teachers. Yeah. So we'll explore that another time. (laughs) But I, I have to say now over 85 episodes, I would... Venture half have said teachers. It's amazing. I'm a yeah, and I can see why. And you make an excellent teacher, by the way. I've come to you many times for guidance, <laughs> and uh, you've always been honest and uh, and always given me really good advice. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. It's great to see you, and keep on rocking with CMO moves. Oh, I, I will definitely try rocking with CMO moves. <laughs> I think there's a song coming out about that. <laughs> I'll make one up. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 